0: Welcome to the Leadership Podcast, Small Things Make a Big Difference. My name is Spencer Holt. I'm a husband, father of four amazing children. I've lived in Canada, the United States, and the United Kingdom, and I speak fluently all three types of English. I've been a banker, part of an oil and gas startup. I've opened up a couple restaurants, and I currently lead the commercial learning organization inside AstraZeneca. I am passionate about what makes leaders effective, and how we can all be more intentional in doing small things that will make a big difference in the lives of the people we interact with. I hope you're having a great week. The podcast is coming a little late today, primarily because this morning I saw an announcement, um, both from inside my organization as well as scattered throughout LinkedIn. Jose Baselga, one of our executives research scientists in oncology had passed away and i have been overwhelmed with the number of messages that i've read about this individual's brilliant mind his contribution to oncology and patients and also the number of people that have mentioned what a great mentor a great friend a great leader and it's caused me to pause and to think What are each of us doing as we think about the legacy that we are leaving, that we are creating? As none of us ever know when that might end. And how do we construct a balance of work and impact and personal lives? It was a chance for me this morning to take inventory. And during this introduction, may I ask each of us to take an inventory? Clayton Christensen wrote a book, How Will I Measure My Life? And this morning I have been thinking, how am I measuring my life? And so one, I would like to thank Jose Pasaga for his contribution, both in science and in helping patients, and in the way that he has led in organizations in his community. Um, And although I don't know his family, I am sure, most importantly, in his family. Because of that, um, tomorrow is my wife's birthday. Happy birthday to my amazing wife, and I will take half a day off where we get to spend some time together and make a memory. It coincides with this week's episode where Jim Massey talks about the importance of belonging and what each of us can do to leave our mark on the world and be intentional on who we are becoming. This week on Small Things Make a Big Difference, we are gonna we are in for a treat, people. My friend, uh, a peer leader, a mentor, Jim Massey. Welcome and thank
1: you for being on the show. Absolutely, it's my pre- pleasure, Spencer.
0: Well, you say that now. Let's hope you think that by the <laughs> end of this. Uh, so, Jim, tell us a little bit about who you are and and what you. have you know, just kind of give us, give us who the person of Jim Massey is so that people that might not know you, they're going to get to know you.
1: Yeah. Um, this is always a tough one, especially not knowing who's listening, right? But, um, you know, when I think about who I am, I always go back to the farm kid from Missouri. Uh, you know, although my wife who grew up on a farm too will say I'm a rural kid because the family income didn't come from the farm. But I grew, in the, grew up in the country where getting outside was important to me. And, you know, I I often talk about, I'll never forget my granddad, he would send us out on his farm and say, go as far as the fence, unless your imagination takes you further. So us kids would just run to that fence and try to get past it. And it wasn't until years later, you know, we joked, he's like, guys, I literally meant you should stay within the fences, (laughs) you know, but, but that, um, you know, for us, it was a national park on the other side at Mark Twain National Forest, and it was a magical place because we always knew we could go and be whatever and do whatever we want in that space. And so Spencer, when you ask me who I am, I have to go back to that spot because for me, that's where I learned that it was okay for Jim to be what he wanted to be, be who I needed to be. And so that is who I tried to show up and be now is that kid who believes that anything is possible, just get to the next goal and overcome it. And that's how I've, I've shown up at work. You know, I, I am, um, professional, um, working in the sustainability field. But I'm a classically trained consumer marketer who took on compliance in the healthcare field. I'm a dad of two. I'm a partner to a remarkable storyteller and journalist. And um, I'm a guy looking for my next adventure and the obstacle I get to overcome to to achieve it. What a great introduction. I can literally,
0: you, you I can tell you're you know, married to a storyteller as you were telling the story about your your grandpa, I could picture you running to the fence and then saying, <laughs> oh my gosh, let's keep going further. <laughs> Ours is really so great. In fact, for those that are, are listening, if you don't follow Jim on LinkedIn, I, I strongly suggest you do because he, he put some great content on there. And, and in fact, Jim, you you've, your title is around, I like one little part of it. It says that you lead with purpose and unafraid to act and do the right thing. Tell me why you have that and how that has kind of shown up in your career and leadership journey.
1: Yeah. You know, action is one of my favorite words, right? Um, There's a quote, I don't know who to attribute it to, but action beats inaction every time. And for me, Spencer, it's a balancing of, when I talk about trying to overcome any obstacle, Um, fundamental to who I am is this concept that we hold ourselves back, not because others are doing it, but because we construct these internal brain barriers that hold us back from action. And it's, you know, I'm going to ask the stupid question among my peers, or it's, I'm going to look foolish if I do X, Y, Z. And so we find ourselves shrinking and, and being the violet on the wall instead of potentially the leadership voice that needs to be in the room at that moment, and for me, unafraid to act and do the right thing, everyone in a space knows what the right thing to do is. Sometimes it's ending the meeting. Sometimes it's making it go a little bit longer. Or sometimes it's calling out inappropriate behavior as it's happening. And so I try to do that. You know, I I, I find myself even now more boldly doing it. Um, <laughs> In in spaces that you know COVID has put me in. And I I find that I try to show up. And as soon as I start thinking I'm not gonna do it, I tell myself, act, do it. There's no issue. Worst case, someone gets upset. You can mend it later. But you've got if if I'm uncomfortable, I have to believe someone else's whether it's just a one-on-one conversation where there's tension or a larger facility facilitated space where many people are but it's just taking that action and doing it not for the benefit of self but for the benefit of a greater good
0: you, you literally in about two minutes gave us some really great knowledge bites around you know internal barriers i love the concept of being the leadership the leadership voice in the room that needs to be heard And, and so I was just thinking about like these internal barriers of maybe why we don't do that sometimes, like, because to your point, the moment could pass really quickly and you're like, ah, crap, did I miss my chance to, to action that what do we do when that happens? Like, so how do we, how do we get better at overcoming the internal barriers and being the leadership voice when maybe it's hard or it makes us uncomfortable?
1: Action, (laughs) you know, do it. Um, And and I think the other thing too is don't allow that to start becoming the barrier. Oh, I do it all the time. You know, those those talk tracks in our heads that um, make it so that it's impossible to overcome them. So my recommendation would be test it, find a safer space, find find a moment where maybe you are the leader in the room. And you're sensing it and then call out a dynamic in the room and see how it goes. Or if it's a peer group, you know, and you're you're very comfortable with them, just start testing it and trying it. But I think the important thing, the reason I put in my LinkedIn profile, unafraid to do the right thing is because if you're doing it to get the promotion or doing it to hurt someone else who is maybe not sharing your same philosophy on why the team should go to X instead of Y, that's not the right thing. That's for personal self gain or glory. And that's when you need the self barrier to stop you (laughs) because it's not going to help anyone. And it's just going to make a situation more tense or worse. But if it's genuinely to progress and move something forward, that's when you need to do it. So feel free to test it out. You know What we have to do is build that muscle And so I'm not going to go run a marathon tomorrow without training and preparing for it in advance, or I'm not going to get, you know, and here's something else, Spencer, I try to do is instead of always using sports analogies, right? So I'm also not going to hit the best (laughs) sell at a department store unless I know what their merchandise is. And I plan on the cyclical cycle, you know, so if you want to hit the right sale or run the marathon, you've got to be thinking differently about the approach and be prepared to have the right content or uh the ability and that muscle to take the action you desire. Oh, I love that.
0: And and so in, in your mind, Jim, you you'd mentioned even yourself, you know, like COVID in the last year has been tough. I think it's been tough for everybody for whatever, like your articulation of internal barriers, the changing demographic, you know, whatever it is, it any like people always say, I love when people give personal examples. Like that's what brings the alive. And so I would love to have you share a little bit around what is maybe your internal barrier over the last little bit, and how are you overcoming that? Um, if you would share that.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, my my internal barrier is, where do I belong? How do I have impact in this world? And and there's a big backstory that I'm going to share as concisely as I can. I had. Uh, been with my previous organization for 13 years, and I had an amazing run. Um, I had basically achieved everything that I could achieve in the work I was doing. So I, I was running sustainability, and I had just convinced the organization to deliver the one of the boldest publicly traded company environmental programs in the world. We had great social programs going on. D and I were taking off. We had. The, I was with AstraZeneca Healthcare Company, and so we, we were doing some amazing work in access to healthcare, and on the governance side, overhauled the program, and so what was next for me? And you know, I was fortunate. I had an amazing boss. We had a great conversation. What made the most sense was what was outside the organization, so I made the decision in December, January of 19 to 20 to leave the organization. And there was a restructuring and, and, and everything was great. A month later, there's this disease coming out. It was March 13th in my county here in the United States when, when things all started to slow down. And by March 17th, it was a complete shutdown. And so I was at you know kind of the top of my game, getting ready to exit and, and go out into the world where sustainability was the hottest topic, but the world shut down. And so for the past year, I have been thinking and, and, and a point of reference for me that I use a lot, Spencer, is um, there's a book. I'm not going to get it right, but it's Navigating Polarities. Um, Brian Emerson and Kelly Lewis are the two authors there. And I had the privilege of sitting in on their certificate program. And they have this thing called the, the personal paradigm. Each and every one of us have three basic needs. We have a need to belong. We have a need to have impact and we have a need for self-care. And so what COVID did for me and the biggest barrier was I started questioning, where do I belong? How am I having impact? And my self-care went to heck in a handbasket because I was constructing that, you know I had so much identity tied into that previous job or worse, just having a job. I started to doubt and question who I was and who I am. And so what ended up happening is, you know, there were some dark periods, some sad periods of just like, what's going on? And I am a high extrovert. The worst thing you could do to me, if, if anyone listening ever wants to torture me, shut the world down and put me by myself. So I'm a verbal processor. I'm talking all the time. It's how I get things out. Um, you know, one of the things I talk a lot about is that I learn out loud. It's just, you know, it's, it's a curse and for many it's a plus. And so I had to overcome these barriers of where do I belong, wherever I am, what's my impact, whatever I need to get done that day for whomever I can be doing for that day and self-care it, kiddo. You know, I know Jim, you're going to be okay. You're worth being here. You are fine. And, and these were all things that though I know it and practice it, I had to overcome and, and so that, that's what, where I've been with COVID is, is dealing with that human paradigm of where I belong, how am I having impact and how am I taking care of myself?
0: Wow, thank you for sharing that. And I think why I think this is such an important um, experience that you share is I think many will be able to either A, relate to it themselves or know that someone else is having a very similar experience. And, and what you've just articulated, I think gives people that, if you're not in that experience, a way to see the world a little bit differently, to think, oh my gosh, like there are people out there that are hurting that you know, from a leadership perspective, we can, we can all do something to, to be a little bit better, um, to show a little bit more empathy or to share a little bit more heart. And so I love this concept of learn out loud. <laughs> And so, in your mind, in the spirit of learn out loud, has there been a few moments or things that you would suggest for people to do to say, hey, learn out? Here's me learning out loud of what I've learned and what I suggest. Whether you are in a company and not feeling like you belong, or you're looking for a company
1: and not feeling you belong, what can we do? It's a rich question, Spencer. I think first and foremost, I wanna start with, if you're feeling that you don't belong, reclaim that, you belong wherever you are. It's why you are where you are, for whatever reason it is. And so don't allow the construct to be built that so-and-so said this, they don't want me in the room. They They may have said that and that may have been their intentions but don't accept it. And, and I think Spencer, for me, we talk about COVID, but around this same time, we started to see the major outcry of racial injustices around the world. And so this is this, this is a conversation that goes beyond just the pandemic of health, but the, unhealth, the unhealthy situation of systemic racism and things that I, I feel exist in the space and come into this whole calling of how do I belong somewhere, right? And so I think the first thing is, as, as silly and as, as simple as it may sound, is reclaim in your own head, if I am here, I belong here. There's a reason why the universe, or in my case, I practice the Christian faith. I always say, it's why God put me here. So we each have our own stories of why we are here. But for me, it is rooted in faith that, you know, I believe in humanity, I believe in tomorrow, and I believe in something bigger that connects us all. (laughs) And so that that that's for me what it is. So reclaim and restate that for yourself, and say that I belong here. And then start to identify what are the things that are making you feel that way. And how can you start working with others to, to change that frame, whether it is something quite intentional put out there by others, or is that just an image that you have constructed based on words and and past experiences? And then I also have to say that um, I do a lot of talking um, about privilege and power. And there's a great paper that I've examined, Uh, a dear friend, seven, eight years ago, I said, I I don't have any privilege. You know, I, I was raised in rural Missouri, you know my parents were hard workers and she sent this document to me and it lists 17 privileges everything from whiteness to being a guy to right-handedness i'm i'm right-handed i enter the world every day when i go into an office or to a, a mall knowing that the water fountain's going to have a little Uh, it's gonna be on the right side and the button will be on the outside. So I'm not crossing over my body to get a drink of water. Scissors are always made for me. So, you know, there are these constructs if we wanna move away from race and sex that there are just benefits. Birth order is a benefit. Geography, though I was raised in rural Missouri, I live in Washington, DC, where I have access to so many resources. I don't live in a food desert. I have access to modern utilities. I'm not in Flint worried about whether my children will have drinkable, healthy water. So the things I have access to are major power structures. And so it's easy for me because the world in those 17 power structures were built for me to feel like I belong. So if I sometimes wonder where I belong, can you imagine anyone who doesn't have those benefits or privilege, how they might walk in and say, I don't belong here, but it's reframing and restructuring in our own heads. I belong because I am simply here and I am worthy of something of being someone i am someone so i probably went a little deep there but that it, it starts with our own mental who cares what anyone says to you claim your space
0: wow. and so thank you for going deep right i mean i think what a great message for everybody and i think one of the things that i've observed jim and you know kind of in our uh, you know our relationship and friendship over the years is you also demonstrate this like soulful curiosity that I've observed, where you continue to learn, um, and you are not, and you're somebody that continues to push boundaries, not by hunches of, oh, I think this is right. You read and you have and you talk to people, but then I love what you do, and this is this makes sense at the very beginning. You turn it into action, and I feel like for me that is it, it's almost like I'm writing down a formula today, from you know, for maybe my even my own self is soulful curiosity hmm. research from people that know and have experienced and then put that into action does, is that kind of
1: a little bit translate to how you are and and what you're doing today it does and thank you for giving me those words right um you know i <laughs> so one of the things i had to do in part of my own exploration is why right what is my why And I was fortunate enough to get to work with a colleague, Angela Barfield, who challenged me. And um, Spencer, you'll know this, because I often talk a lot about individual purpose and self-leadership. And I used to always say my my purpose is a barrier-free environment, to remove barriers for those willing to be who they want to be in the world. And um, she's like, great, white, male, Western, rich guy you know, that works for you because you've never had to see those barriers except the beautiful ones of the fence between the forest and your granddaddy's farm. Oh, wait, you owned land? Oh, that's a benefit. You know, so she's giving me this really hard time and holding me to account. And she's like, why? Why do you want to remove these barriers? And this, this exploration for me, Spencer, is about I didn't even see my, my own blind spot, that my purpose, she said, all you are telling me is to keep seeing the barriers around me. You're on the other side. And if I use you and, and, and I'm lucky enough, you'll break down that I can get through. And so she started to help me understand that, um, you know, a resume wasn't going to do it for myself. So we started in on my purpose paper. And so now when I send my documents around, I have my bio to talk about who I am. I have my outcomes one pager that shows what I did. But more importantly, where am I going in the future? And so I had to really explore mind, body, and spirit. And so I, I did that. And you know, when I talk about my body, I'm born a white privileged male. I call that out. Now, it's not hard to look at me <laughs> and see it, right? But I also put in there my faith commitment that I believe in tomorrow. I believe in humanity. I believe in something larger that connects us. So that's why I'm always working to, to get there. And then I just believe you know, in, in the mind, body and, and spirit, the, the construct that the only limits that we have are here. And so it's helping others see that. But what I had to do was change my purpose because in my mind, barrier-free was great. But for those who weren't in, you know, don't have what the world was built on, on the 17 dimensions, they just heard the word barrier and she was the first one bold enough to give that feedback to me. So I've now changed that my goal is, you know, my purpose is I was born to build our better because I was born as a white cisgendered heterosexual male married as a parent You know, because I can say I need to go pick up my kids and I get to leave work at a normal time and I have to make up those excuses. I'm right handed. So the way in which I was simply born allows me to look and see who wasn't born like me. And we get to start thinking about how we build our better together. So I want to set a vision that inspires not only others, but for me to change so that we can together build a better world. Jim, you are an
0: example, literally, of soulful, deep, reflective thinking that is really encouraging. Um, and so, I'm I'm hoping as you're listening today, you know, reach out to Jim. I mean, Jim's amazing. So you could send him a message in LinkedIn and and maybe you know ask him like, how did you get like your explanation right there. To your point didn't come in the last five minutes so let me prep this before the podcast. <laughs> right. you know, this was you really kind of doing some some real thought-provoking research and getting people to challenge what you are thinking about and then changing it is I, I love it and I have literally as I'm sitting here I'm thinking I'm going to revisit my purpose statement I'm going to do <laughs> a little bit more thinking and I just want to say thank you absolutely Spencer I've got I've got two more questions. Yes, sir. Um, I know you like to get out and walk. In fact, I remember uh, I remember one night we had a long walk in Cambridge. I don't know if you remember that, but it was a really cool kind of really cool walk. But when you're not talking to somebody while you're walking, do you have a certain uh, music uh, jam that you're listening to these days?
1: Oh, goodness gracious! I uh, <laughs> my my. It, Emily, my wife, always jokes that I'm a, I don't know this term, but, you know, like an adolescent, teenage, love struck, you know, I, I'm, I'm all about the pop music, you know, I, I, I don't care, you know, I, I often say, i you know, it, but again, it's, it's the, the inner child that's coming out. So, you know, I, I'll listen to anything. Music moves me. Words matter. And there's no better way to get to a verbal processor than through words that are powerful. So I'm married to a storyteller, and I was raised by an English teacher who taught, you know, uh, folklore and storytelling. So you know, words have always played a part. So what's interesting is I, you know, I can move. I got some dance moves, but even more importantly, are the words that get there. Um, you know, words that matter to me. Um, you know, some things that stick out. Like there's a, a song by a Canadian group. Um, Bare naked ladies, and even just the title. They knew that they had to get people in to listen to them. And they thought, what better than to put that name on a marquee? Now, I, you know, in this era, there's probably better ways of doing it, but it, it's a band who they wrote their own music, and one of the lines that they talk about is: if I hide myself wherever I go, am I ever really there? So, you know, one day I'm listening to this song and I just kept replaying that. And, and Spencer, like this is the craziness. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. So when I heard those words, I just start weeping. It's like, oh my gosh, this is that barrier free. If I hide myself wherever I go, am I ever really there? And that's why I'm so passionate about stake your claim. If you are there, do not hide. Even if everyone is telling you, you don't belong, it, you do. So be there. And, and so yes, I I I love music. I love the words that are there, and there are plenty that I listen to. That you know, the new one now is "Driver's License." <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, my kids. I have a 12 and 14 year old that hate that song, but I'm blaring it. You know, red light stop sign, and I can't sing, but boy, inside my head, I am, I am ready for the Met Opera, you know? Oh my
0: God. Okay. I'm adding those two songs. I'm creating a small things make a big difference playlist. And, uh, so I expect that you'll listen to that because we've got some good ones, um, on your next walk. Okay. So final question, my friend is as the name of the podcast goes, small things make a big difference. What is one small leadership habit that you are exercising on a regular basis that makes a big difference in your life and the lives of the people you interact with?
1: Yeah. You know, Spencer, I think the biggest thing, the smallest thing I've done is if I ask anyone to do it, am I willing to? So it, it comes down to, you know, again, I, I, I disclose pretty much everything. Um, you know, when I was asked to take on the global. Safety, health, and environment team. I was 90 pounds heavier than I am. And I remember thinking, if I'm going to come in as an authentic leader and ask the global organization to be healthy, can I do that 90 pounds heavier? Um, you know, I wanted to change our fleet to, you know, 100% electric, and I was still driving 100% gas vehicle. So before I even made that request, I went out and I looked to see how easy it was for me as a consumer to get an electric vehicle. And I've been driving an electric vehicle for almost uh, three, three and a half years now. But it's the small thing that makes a big difference is as a leader, if I'm going to ask someone to do it, can I? So if I'm going to ask someone to lead inclusively, can I? If I can appreciate diversity and equity, do I understand what I'm talking about? So no matter what the topic is, I, and, and the mantra I always come up with is before I can transform anything, I must transform myself. To transform the world around me, to transform the world and universe in which I'm involved, you know. So the transformation first must occur within before I can authentically ask others to tra- transform along with me.
0: Jim, uh, thank you for your insights. I've I've taken um, a page of notes here while while doing this, just because I, there's. You, I'm going to have to listen to this again, and not only from just the song reference and the words that you said in the song to some of these other really good insights, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you uh, for being on the show and really making a big difference in the listeners
1: and uh, and in what you do. My pleasure, Spencer. It's always great to see you, and I hope this helps. And like Spencer said, if any anyone listening is interested, reach out to me and let's you know, have the conversation keep going.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this week's session of Small Things Make a Big Difference. If you laughed, if you were inspired, please share it with family, with friends, a coworker or a leader in your organization or one that you know. I hope that it's caused you to pause and to think. I loved Jim's ideas of action may we think out loud, may we do some research, but then most importantly, apply it, put it into action and try something. The concept of never ask somebody to do something that you're not willing to do is a powerful, not only statement, but incredible example. Do we in our own lives have the examples where we're putting what we ask people to do into practice on a daily basis? Most importantly, write down today what is one small leadership habit that you want to put into action that will make a big difference in the world that we live in. Have a great week.